it's almost the weekend. No, I love it. I love the singing. Every time you sing, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's a good time. I feel like I'm starting to like try and uh, like I, w whenever we do the intros, a little voice in my head is like, "Have we done this intro before?" <laughs> like oh, we've done this yeah. exact same set of words every time. A hundred percent. It's got a yeah. real uncanny valley feel, especially the first thirty seconds of the episode where we're like warming up and we get into mm. the zone or we yeah. don't get into the zone that is that is also a mode that we're accustomed to yeah <laughs> yeah the no zone mode <laughs> um, uh, yeah 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 how you doing how you doing i'm good i'm good i um i've been really looking forward to uh to to chatting to you and and making this podcast cuz i've been playing a bit of that fear and hunger Mm. And um, I'm real depressed, and I want uh, oh human no. companionship. <laughs> <laughs> the sadness game is here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Fear and Hunger is our game club game for this month, and we do a really good job of, like, not talking about the game club game until the episode and then just, you know, unleashing the hells of Azeroth upon our listeners. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb here. And and just say, I don't recommend playing this one. Wow. Yeah. And that is no comment on whether the game is good or bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, I think Game Club is this really cool thing where, like, you all can play along if you like and then, like, see if you had a similar experience when we do the episode. But I think there's been this kind of unintentional uh, result where, like, People listen to see if it's a game they might want to play after we do the right, episode. Right. And yeah. I think for this one, just just hang on to that eight USD until <laughs> until you hear the episode and then see if you want to play it. Um because yeah, this one I'm like mentally fragile at the moment. And wow. and this one, this one really, really did a number on me. I'm sorry, um, man. I didn't realize like I I had you know, I knew that there were themes and and, and such, but you know, <laughs> going into it, I did not uh, expect that or want that for you. So yeah, I'm sorry, man. Oh no, no, nice. don't be sorry, not at all. And like the way you talked about it, you know, it's being banned in several countries. If you've got yeah. triggers, look it up. It's not like I didn't know what was going on, but I I'm just so intrigued by media that can have that impact on you. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I'm a I'm a big fan of like some pretty full on movies. Mm -hmm. um, that I wouldn't go out on a limb to recommend, but it is a bit different. Like this game goes for a lot longer than a movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just, yeah. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll get to that episode in a couple <laughs> of weeks. I'm really excited for it, but yeah, I have, I have been playing a bit of fear and hunger. Um, yep. and, uh, yeah, I just thought I'd give y'all a shout out that maybe just put the brakes on this one until we do the episode and then then decide if you want to if you want to jump in and uh dive into the depths so to speak yeah totally um you know i'll second that recommendation and also say you know if you're at all curious there's heaps of videos and such out there mm. um of people playing this game and talking about this game and um maybe that would be a nice if, if you're like i don't really know if it's for me or you know you're kind of concerned about what you might see or whatever then you can watch these videos as kind of like a little bit of a safety version of of potentially going in and playing it 
Totally. Um, and then from there, make up your mind. Uh, because, yeah, I'm sure some people would be like, oh, yeah, this is nothing. Like, I don't care about this totally. dumb, dumb little video game. And some people would, yeah, be really fragile about it. And I totally <laughs> empathize and sympathize with that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like, it's been good. I've been doing other stuff, you know, to lift my mood while I wasn't playing Fear and Hunger. Um, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I uh be, been playing some of that OG Gears of War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. That game that game fucks Joe Tool. I sure does. I, Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the I mean it does have a couple of um kind of tropey things going on like i think it's from the mid noughties and yeah. like the color palette is like gray uh wet gray uh dark <laughs> gray, gray. <laughs> you know, like, it's a very it's a very kind of monotonous color palette but um man the game itself like the design of the game and like the things you do super fun super interesting mm. Um, I'm playing co-op with Phoebe and after every session, we're just like, we got the biggest grins on. We're like, that was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was saying, we talked a little bit about it last night. The, the Gears franchise has got some real smashes in there, you know, like one, yeah. I think two, I think a, pe- a lot of people didn't enjoy, but three is really good. Right. Um, I can't remember exactly what the deal with two was, but anyway. They're all really good. The co-op in them is fantastic. I think you can do up to four players. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Wow. That'd be sick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Marcus Phoenix and his big beefy boys go around, shoot a bunch of grubs. Yeah. We're, we're trying to pin down exactly what they're called because sometimes they're like, let's kill some grubs. And then they talk about like... <laughs> locusts? Yeah. They talk about like the collective aliens as locusts. So I'm yeah. not... I don't know if they're grubs or locusts, but they are... They are dirty, naughty insects that need shooting. <laughs> yeah. I just have this visceral memory of Marcus saying, scratch one grub when he shoots one. <laughs> and that's what I remember about Gears of War. That and the Chainsaw Lancer. That thing was very cool. Oh, yeah. The, um, yeah, like you have this gun and it's got like a chainsaw on it, kind of like a bayonet, but a chainsaw version. And you can like run down your enemies with this chainsaw and it's extremely climactic. Yeah. And there's always like, um, cool animation that plays. I think there's a little bit, a little bit of button mashing and a kind of, um, quick time event that plays. I can't remember. Hmm. Yeah. I think, Something I think like there that. might be a bit of button mashing. It's, uh, yeah. you know, it's the heat of battle. It's, it's hard. Right. It's hard to really remember what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of uh, lots of curb stomping and grub punching. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that game is that game is very enjoyable for it's it's unapologetically what it is. You mm. know, like it really stands in its own like filthy feet, <laughs> Abs- filthy shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and I'm I'm really enjoying being in those filthy shoes right now. Yeah. Nice. Um, what about you? What are you playing? How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty fine. Um... I mean, still playing a little bit of that Breath of the Wild. Um, not Breath of the Wild, <laughs> that's Tears of the Kingdom. Shout out. Shout, Shout out, out to, to the better game. No, no. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, tell me. Tell me your thoughts. Um, yeah, I, I didn't play it as much as the week prior, um, mm-hmm. but because partially because we've been pl- I've been playing the, the Game Club game, um, mm-hmm. which has been taking my evenings a little bit more. 
but uh yeah no i've been enjoying tears of the kingdom i have noticed um that the stuff that you were talking about one of the crimes last week was the companion ai mm, mm-hmm. and um I, I guess i hadn't really like it wasn't super apparent until you pointed it out, it out and now i can't not notice it it's like, oh no you know it's like the smudge on the painting that is like oh jesus now every time i look at the painting i see the smudge <laughs> um, no i'm so sorry and the powers are, yeah the powers are bad, They're bad. <laughs> um yeah 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 i just there were so many points when i was playing where i was like i wish i could just use this power and, and now i've got to summon the man and wait for him to walk up to me and Mm-hmm. recharge and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. sometimes he doesn't walk up to you he just chills and where you were standing 10 minutes ago mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah that's unfortunate um but yeah no i've been i've been digging i did a bunch of the underground quest stuff with the mm-hmm. eager clan oh yeah cool um and i don't understand there's a little bit of dissonance for me where it's like they're roaming around in the um in the underground with like this technology that you're using as well right like the mm-hmm. what are they called the the pods that the, you crack open the zonai devices yeah zonai devices they got some zonai devices mashed in with kind of their own stuff it looks like mm-hmm. um and the a big deal that they talk about in this game is like hey you need you need power to power the zonai devices mm-hmm. and you save up these little zonai charges mm. um the, but but the for some reason the yiga they can stay airborne forever, baby. They're fine. They got all sorts of power. Do they ever explain that? Or did they ever explain that for you? Because I haven't gotten up to that yet. No. So there's like a couple of things in the world outside of like the year quest line that act in the same way. So yeah. if you are just tramping along in the world, whether you're in the sky or like in Hyrule proper, and you come across like a floating platform, it'll be floating there, unlimited power. But as yeah. soon as you jump on it, it's it's like attached to your battery all of a sudden. Right. Yeah. So yeah, there's some there's come yeah, I think it is just narrative dissonance, but it's like uh, I don't know. That's the kind of kid game thing where I'm like, yeah, this is a game for children, they don't care about that. <laughs> yeah. I suppose. I mean, uh, the floating platform thing isn't so bad because it's not being driven by a man, you know? That's like true. If there was a man on there and he was flying around like I came up to like a one of those Yiga fortresses underground. Mm-hmm. And they had dudes roaming around outside on these, like, you know, uh, like four, basically four by fours with spikes on the front and guys in the sky, mm-hmm. <laughs> guys in the sky, flying around, <laughs> surveying the area. Not, not, a, not a worry in the world about how much battery <laughs> they had left. And I was like, must be nice, Yiga clan. <laughs> yeah, well, um, you know, I haven't finished that quest line. So maybe you get to the end of that quest, giant, quest line and like unlock some kind of Yiga t- technology that allows you to like really stretch your battery life maybe um doubtful but could be. Doubtful. yeah yeah could maybe be. you learn the, the reason behind all their powers all of the bananas they eat and that's, that's how they <laughs> yeah. like potassium you know that's what powers it <laughs> exactly there you go i promise you the thing you just said is gonna be way better than whatever is actually in the game oh good yeah um but I did actually make some notes in the off chance you brought up Zelda. Um, just because I feel like I spent a lot of time shitting on it last week. And I just... want to have some not crime, anti-crimes? Yeah, I want to have some anti-crimes. I want to I wanna lay some praise upon Link's waiting bosom. Yeah, we did shit on it a lot last week. Let's talk some good things about <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom. 
<laughs> yeah, and for me, again, incredibly hard to talk about this without comparing it to Breath of the Wild, just because it's so goddamn similar. It's um, a sequel. It's a direct sequel. So, you know, <laughs> it's fun. So, the first thing is the resource economy. The resource economy is much better in this game. Oh, yeah. Um, part, of, part of that reason is, like, they've made things a little bit harder to find. Like, truffles and radishes are kind of only in caves and in the sky. And I think that's really cool. I think that's cool that you've kind of got to go way out of your way for these items that, you know, practically make you invincible if you know how to use them. Mm. Um, and the other big thing that, like, reinforces the juicy cohesiveness of the economy is the boss hearts that you get. So, like, when you fight a mini boss or a big boss, they'll drop, you know, they drop a bunch of goodies. They drop, like, maybe some rupees and, like, a bunch of Zonai devices. But nearly all the time they'll drop, like, a heart which you can fuse to your weapon. And it is usually... It is usually like a pretty good thing to use to fuse. Use to fuse. Um, <laughs> and I think that's just beautiful design. I think that like is a real motivator to just fight the bosses for the sake of fighting them. You know, mm. like you get this sick battle and then like you get all the goodies, which once you get to a certain point, aren't that useful. But because they, uh, they kept in that uh, beautiful weapon system where the weapons break all the time. Still love that. Um, Yeah, you can fuse your weapons to these boss hearts for just massive damage, and I love it. I think it's a really good move. Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier today, actually. I don't know why, but um, I remember in Breath of the Wild not really ever using too many potions and such, and, like, you know, brewing brewing food like making making dinner and a bunch of foods during fights that i'd be able to use to basically recover health but all of the bonus effects seemed like i didn't really pay much attention to them right but in this one i'm way more interested in like how much anti-slip or how much speed Mm. increase or how much whatever you know Mm -hmm. bonus that i'm going to get stealth from the um, meals and i was thinking next time i play i really gotta go through all of my critters that i've collected and make some more potions because i'm feeling vastly under potioned right now and i never remember thinking that about breath of the wild i never had the thought i don't have enough potions yeah interesting i think um i think maybe breath of the wild was a little bit more open in that Mm. regard like you could kind of do a challenge run and get away with it and not use potions but like yeah I think, um, I think for me, and the same kind of goes for Tears of the Kingdom, is that like I get the most juice out of the game if like I'm always using my most powerful weapons and shields, no matter what, and mm. I'm always using my best potions, no matter what. You know, like I'm, I'm never being, uh, like I'm stingy. not saving. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> yeah. being stingy. I'm not saving my resources. I'm just using the best that I've got, even if it's against the weakest enemies, because like, right. I, don't, I don't know. It just means like you always get to use the best equipment and it's just funner that way. Yeah. 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 I do find myself swapping back sometimes. Like if I've got something that I really like and I'm just fighting some little slimes or whatever, I'll change mm-hmm. back or use my right. bow and arrow. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I do kind of the same thing. Mm. Not not afraid to throw my favorite weapon to the wolves. 
Hell yeah. Literally. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I did also play a little, like, randomly during the week, I played a little bit of Death Stranding. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Just because I had that itch of the exploration from playing Zelda, I was like, how does this compare? You know, what's the, what's the correlation? Because I remember feeling similar vibes, strolling mm -hmm. around Hyrule and you know the piano playing and walking over a sunset hill and feeling mm. wistful and melancholy and all at once at peace with the world <laughs> uh and yeah the same vibes go in um in death stranding but it's way more focused in death stranding you know right. it's like there's no moblins around the corner there's no like secret caves or whatever it's like you got some delivery sam <laughs> put on your boots <laughs> get it done get it get it done uh, and so yeah that's that's you know there's a big difference in in the overall vibe as a result mm. yeah oh that's awesome is that like the the fresh uh like what is it game of the year version or whatever it is yeah yeah the director's cut the director's cut yeah yeah, yeah that even though, like, I don't think they've added a huge amount of content, that's just enough for me to want to be back in that world. You should do it. Um, recommend that game to everyone. It's free on Game Pass? No, it's um, it was like a dollar on the Epic Store. Oh, yeah, no, it was free. Free I on Epic Store? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I made an Epic account just to get it for free. There you go. I can't play it because I don't have a PC, but I've got it. <laughs> You are you gonna become PC PC master race at some stage? Uh, I'm sure, like in the next forty years, it's bound to happen. Okay, that's good because we got a lot of PC games coming, <laughs> as we're about to discuss in the news. You ready oh, for some chicken? Oh shit! Yeah, I mean, it's it's my week for chicken. Have you also brought chicken, mate? I have a feast. Oh, I have a geez. family meal of chicken. Oh. Dude, I've also got a family meal. What are we going to do? <laughs> There's probably some overlap in our respective family meals. Okay. And so you go oh. and I'll fill in the blanks. All right. That sounds good. All right. So when uh, I'm going to start dishing out this chicken, but trust me, like when you get this box, you're like, fuck yeah, I can't wait to dig into some chicken, but you're going to find like fucking pork. There's going to be like Whoa. meatballs, just random bolognese sauce. Like this is a real kind of hot pot of a chicken box. Hot pot, hodgepodge, chicken box. Let's go. <laughs> okay. I'm wrapping this episode. All right. Chicken wing number one. We got Naughty Dog and they're releasing a statement. And that statement says on it that there's a multiplayer only Last of Us game coming and an unidentified single player game coming. Um, ironically, the statement is like, don't expect either of these soon, but... I hadn't heard of either of these projects and they're just like, look, this is what's happening. What's happening is we're not ready to release anything. Um, right. But yeah, did you know there was like a multiplayer only Last of Us game in the pipeline? I did, yeah. Oh. I don't know if that's because I have... I don't know if it's because I heard rumours from people within the industry or it's because some news person, you know, on some website somewhere. It might have been public news prior to me hearing about it. I don't, I don't know. Right, okay. But yes, okay. I knew about that one. I didn't know they were working on another single player, though that was kind of just predictable, given it's Naughty Dog and that's kind yeah. of their thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be very weird if they if they weren't. Yeah. Um, they were like, we're going multiplayer from now on, baby. <laughs> Screw single player narrative experiences. We're all about free to play. <laughs> Can you imagine? 
Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm pretty sus on this on this multiplayer Last of Us thing. Um, although yeah. apparently it's based on the the multiplayer for the first Last of Us, which was a beloved uh, slurped up bit of content, as I understand it. Slurped up? Uh, yeah, I never slurped played it. it. Yeah, I, I never slurped it. Did you slurp it? Did not slurp. Mm, um, okay. and, and it would have been that, like, magical time, you know, like the end of the PS3 product cycle, like heaps of people own the PS3. Online was free, you know, back yeah. then. You didn't have to pay yeah. for online. So, I'm time. Sh- yeah, I'm sure it would have been, like, pretty fun. Yep, yep, yep. Um, all right, should I just like troll on, start throwing you some like tonkatsu pork? Um, yes. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. Go for it. Boy sues Nintendo. Boy. <laughs> so, um, there's a Mario Kart for mobiles called Mario Kart Tour. Um, and this game up until September of last year, had loot boxes in it. And Nintendo were raking in the dosh. I'm talking hundreds of millions of dollars oh my God. on those loot boxes. What are you putting in Mario Kart loot boxes, dude? Oh, God, you know, I wish I researched this more so I could tell you, but I have yeah. no idea. It's probably, like, outfits and paint colours. <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. Put this man at the head of the economy <laughs> at Nintendo. He has the solutions. Oh god. Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not a natural gacha ism uh executive. That's fine. That's what uh, I love about you most. <laughs> uh anyway, so this kid spent 137 pounds using his dad's credit card. Sure. Um got got all got those daddy capitalism credits and just pumping them into Mario Kart Tour. <laughs> yep, yep. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, like, it wasn't clear whether the boy was suing Nintendo and, like, his dad was kind of fronting the operation, but it, it he's the boy is surrounded by adults that are kind of fronting the operation, but, right. yeah. It's, so, you know, wait, he's he's suing them because he accidentally spent the money? No, because it's like, um, especially in the UK, it's unlawful for games to have the gambling thing going oh, on. Um, okay. Which is part of the reason why Nintendo axed it last year. Um, right. But yeah, so the timeline is a bit sketchy, but basically the boy spent this before they axed it, and I think there was a bit of like crossover period where like the laws came into place and nintendo didn't react quickly enough and the boy sent 137 pounds like this is this like reads to me this is obviously a story like some lawyer has got a hold of this and be like that's easy money right there like (laughs) um so yeah i just yeah boy sues nintendo love that headline anyone suing nintendo you're right in my book yeah Um, yeah let's all (laughs) sue nintendo all right, do you want to hit me with some cabbage before I go to the next uh, beef ball? Uh, keep the varied um, cal- what what's it called? Protein? Keep the varied meats coming right at me. I've got I haven't had any overlap yet. Oh god, all right. This is going to be a big news episode. Okay. Um I this one's for you, Joe Tall. All right. Hunt Showdown has surprising <laughs> statistics. Oh. Um, I've started writing my own headlines, by the way. <laughs> I don't good. think they're. I don't think they're very. They're better. 
They're better. <laughs> uh, um, so we got our boy David Fifield, um, who is the general manager for Hunt Showdown, and uh, he revealed that 40% of the game's players have never killed another player. <laughs> Sorry, I had a big gulp. <laughs> What, Sorry, what you... I'm coughing all over the place on the microphone. <laughs> oh, yes, I had I had heard this stat. Um, oh, how? Yeah. What do you think? How does it correlate with your hunt showdown experience? Unsurprising. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people probably bought this game on sale at some point, and you know when it went on sale on Steam, played it for a little bit, got killed, uh, and decided to never play it again. And that accounts for a large percentage of that. You know, uh... I would love to see time spent in game. As, a, as an account uh, on that particular bell curve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, uh, yeah, I feel like most players who spent more than, you know, a couple of sessions playing that game would have killed a player. Although, you cool. know, the skill ceiling is relatively high. It's not impossible to kill another player or whatever. But, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's unsurprising, given I think a lot of people probably launched into that game and bounced right off it. Right. Okay. All right. That's, um, that's a very level-headed take. Mm. Um, all right. I, I got some more weird shit. Uh, Matt Berry joins Jason Momoa for the Minecraft live action movie. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <laughs> Matt uh, Berry as in, uh, father? the man who speaks like this. Yeah. yeah. Great. Okay. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. We love Matt Berry. We um, absolutely love Matt Berry. Look, I mean, so far... <laughs> like I don't give a shit about the Minecraft live action movie, but Matt Perry and Jason Momoa—that that is some cast. like A plus casting. I'm very into that casting. So, yeah, I think I remember asking this last time, but we don't know who like if they're gonna do like Minecraft Steve and if that's gonna be Momoa or if it's gonna who it's gonna be. We don't mm. know anything about it. We just know None. some cast members at this point, right? Exactly. This is this is heavy pre-production. Like okay. Yeah, I, I like, they're probably still getting storyboards together, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They reckon this is coming out in 2025, but like, that's oh, just, how that's can you, how can you see hell. that far into the future? Yeah, yeah. Watch out for that creeper! <laughs> I don't know what else he would say. Oh, see, everything he says just is liquid gold. I've got diamond armor! Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so my final piece of barramundi, we've got some crumbed barramundi here. I reckon this is where we're going to have the crossover. Um, so there was a thing this week called the PlayStation Showcase. Yep. Yep. Here comes the crossover. All right. And so I understand this to be basically Sony's stand-in for E3. Yep. Yep. Now, they announced a bunch of games. I saw the whole list, and I don't give a shit about any of those games <laughs> except oh, God. except for Metal Gear Solid. Oh. And it's good news. It's very good news. So okay. Metal Gear Solid Volume 1 is releasing by the end of November. Um, this is the first three games. They're coming to modern consoles amazing finally like what took you so long konami mm, kept you waiting huh yeah and with the same breath they announced that metal gear solid 3 is getting a remaster a remake 
Oh, sorry, a remake. You are correct. Thank God yeah. this is the crossover news. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you what do you think about that? How does that make you feel? Uh, skeptical. Mm, so really, here- even even after Joe Resident Evil Four remake, ten out of ten tool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so here is my addendum to this piece of news and why I am skeptical. Oh my god. Um. So first of all, it's been a while since Konami has put out a fully fledged, you know, Metal Gear game. The last thing Konami did without Kojima was what was that one called where you were oh, fighting the zombies? Metal Gear. God, Metal Gear. It's like fucking a... waste of my time and money. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I can't it's remember what it's called. It looks hor- horrid, like base buildy zombie defense game that was kind of mm-hmm. looked like they tried to just you know make the most of the fox engine before everyone who knew how to use it quit mm-hmm. um, to mm-hmm. go join kojima productions anyway the re- the other reason that i'm kind of a little bit skeptical on this is they've got their quote-unquote internal dev team working on uh the, the remake for metal gear 3 okay uh, as well as a company who i can't remember the name of them but they're a, a company who do um ports and remakes helping them to do this right um the problem though is that this internal dev team quote unquote the last game they released was a game called e-football and it's currently the lowest rated game on steam (laughs) like of all time of all time (laughs) oh that's amazing and like we've seen some screenshots and we've seen that trailer to me, the trailer doesn't really reek of Metal Gear. It's just like, here's some water with a frog. There's some snake, I guess. Um, so yeah, it just looks like a Blur Studios rendition of what they think Metal Gear looks like uh, under the under the tutelage of Konami. And it just is, to me, a little bit concerning. I don't know what it's going to look like. Who knows? Maybe it'll be great. But I'm going in with very, uh, very trepidatiously. All right. I was very interested on your take because of it being your number one game of all time yeah absolutely yeah um don't know man at this point don't know yeah okay one promising thing oh sorry what was that uh just because i need to see some gameplay before i make any judgments Mm. but yeah i'm very skeptical yeah very fair um one thing i did see which i thought was pretty cool and pretty unexpected is that they're getting the original voice cast back to yeah to do the voices so like david hater and stuff and you know i think i think david hater copped a dodge with metal gear solid 5 i know yeah. there's like story reasons and blah 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 but uh yeah i mean i just i love his voice for snake kind of like um doug cockle for Geralt. it's yeah. just kind of iconic in a way and like yeah it might not be the best voice acting you've ever heard but it's pretty fucking recognizable and i think i think that's part of what makes it good yeah i guess it'll be interesting to see how that stands up to like modern audiences a little bit you know like with mm-hmm. the, if you've got david Hayter at the helm and he's doing the meryl metal gear you know he's doing that whole he's doing <laughs> david Hayter. uh yeah, I don't yeah. Know how that's going to feel with like hyper real snake wandering around the jungles you know right right yeah yeah i mean i guess we'll just have to wait and see yeah um, all right, I got two final bits of news in relation to that PlayStation showcase, and then you can just barrel me over with uh, anything else you've got. Yeah, sure. Um, so Sony released some of their subscriber numbers for PlayStation Plus, 
Mm. Um, so they've got 14.1 million subscribers on the extra and platinum tiers um, for their, like, excuse me, for their game library service. Mm. Um, and I think that's pretty impressive considering that this is only, like, a year and change old. Maybe only a year. Mm. Um, and, you know, Game Pass has been around for much longer than that, like five years at least. Um, and the Game Pass subscribers sit at 25 million. Oh, wow. So that's not a great difference. Yeah, it's not like the biggest difference ever. Just um, just like a little over 10 million there. Yeah. And I, th- I think because of the size of the PlayStation player base and the fact that they made it really easy to just get bumped up from, like, you know, the bottom regular PS Plus tier that existed for many years and, like, people could just bump up for a bit more a month and, like, get access Mm -hmm. to all these games. So it's interesting that a year on those, I mean, yeah, they seem like high numbers to me. They do seem like high. I wasn't expecting it to be that much. That's great. Good for Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Yep. And Sony killing it. Yeah. Yep, and that's uh, that's me. That's my that that was like a bento box of all kinds of shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We had all kinds of protein in there. Um, <laughs> uh, first time listener, I'm sorry for the way we refer to news. Just say that. <laughs> I don't know why we do it. It's uh, it's well, I do know why we do it, but I'm not going to explain it. So here's my news. <laughs> okay. Um. So, do you remember a while ago, there was a GTA 6 leak that happened? We talked about it in the news? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, based on uh, some earnings calls and earnings predictions from um, Rockstar that they've had with investors, mm-hmm. um, they said that they're looking to have a bump in earnings in 20, late 2024 from the regular $5 billion, Jesus hecking Christ, to $8 billion. And people are speculating, saying that that is going to be as a result of the release of GTA 6. Right. So, so they're sort of, you know, aligning the numbers with, you know, the calendar saying that's probably a good time to release a AAA game, you know, the late later part of the year, mm-hmm. 2020, uh, 2024, looks like a good time. Um, yeah. So I just thought that I'd throw that one out there. We've got some yeah. new GTA 6 news after that quote-unquote catastrophic leak. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like it's really done that much harm. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, dude, that's so... It, like, the the distance in time between the leak and the release of the game. Like, people are going to forget the leak even happened at all by the time the game comes out. I had forgotten about the leak until <laughs> I remember hearing hearing about this news and seeing, like, oh, yeah, the game had a... People were talking about how bad it looked and all that stuff, and it was on this show we spoke about. <laughs> there you I go. still forgot about it. There you go. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's that. Uh, the PS showcase happened. Uh, we spoke about the news from Konami and Metal Gear. Mm-hmm. Got a couple of other bits here that I thought were worth mentioning. The... Yeah, no, I was just making a joke by saying I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope I hope there's a bunch of great games, but but none of them really jumped out for me. Fair. Um, yeah, it's a long presentation. I think the video on YouTube was like three and a half hours, and there's like the best trailers videos, and they're like an hour and a half. I'm like, I don't have an hour and a half to watch trailers. Go oh, away. god damn. Yeah, no, I just saw like a Google Doc with a list of games. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of video floating around. Um, right. So uh, they Sony has announced a portable device called the Project Q. Wait, what? 
Yeah, which is looks like a PlayStation Five controller with a big screen in the middle. It Wait, seems to... is is this just a Switch? Is this a Sony Switch? Uh I don't know at this point. I've heard rumblings that it is just a streaming thing, sort of like how oh. the PSP could stream from the PlayStation to the PSP. No, we live in Australia, Sony. <laughs> I know. But I don't know if that's the case or not. It does just look like a controller with a screen. So I would be surprised. But you never know. I mean, that's what the Switch is. It's just a screen. So you never know. Mm, man, Sony, Sony branded Switch that could run Returnal. That's my dream. That's my dream, Joe. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. If they enter the handheld competitive market, it seems like, you know, they've got a pretty good back catalogue of games that people would want to play on the go that that would be painful to try and get running on the Steam Deck. But if you mm-hmm. had a Sony uh, handheld, it could, mm-hmm. be, could be good times. So, you never right. know. It might that- be a good play. Only only that Sony architecture can handle 30 FPS Bloodborne. <laughs> Speaking of 30 FPS Bloodborne, there was like a bit of news that came out about this. It's in my, in my, in my list, but since you mentioned it, our favorite Australian um, Soulsborne, uh, what would you call him? Hacker? Oh. Person? Oh. He, he's, he's one of the people who like are the ones who like go into the code of the game and like show what it looks like behind Vicar Amelia's butt, you know, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> they get back there. They look at the hidden pixels. They go under the ground and look at all the stuff, the devs hid under the floor and all that sort of stuff. Right. Ooh. Cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah. 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 I dig. I dig. They found some piece of information somewhere. I can't remember how exactly where they found it, but it was basically a P- PC build of Bloodborne that the devs had on their machines. Wow. So I think it was like a, you know, a log somewhere that was like, um, you know what I mean? By log, like a a text document somewhere that was like, here's here's all the build results from the night before. We got the PlayStation build. We got the PC build. Okay, good stuff. And then Lance was like, wait a minute, PC build? So (laughs) confirmed there were PCs. To me as a game dev, this isn't surprising at all. It's like, if you're making a game, you're probably playing and testing it on pc first before you run it on a playstation especially early in production you, know, right. you might not have the dev kits yet you might not have like enough dev kits in the office for everyone to constantly be testing mm-hmm. builds on playstation dev kits so it's like yeah. makes sense that it, it at some point was running on pc it doesn't seem like a revelation but the right. internet was like <clears throat> you know chomping at the game a bit to um that's gross chomping at the bit to (laughs) you know learn more of any um you know bloodborne pc news as always yeah i mean that is that you know i talk a lot of shit about not being hyped for everything and being depressed all the time but like (laughs) (laughs) but like bloodborne 2 like that that is something i would genuinely lose my shit over because it just seems so unlikely so I, i i think a lot of people feel that way as well and if any kind of bloodborne news leaks through the pipeline it just becomes this thing to kind of grasp onto something to get frothy about (laughs) <laughs> exactly you yeah you need you need a froth past the bit to show that's your allegiance right. to bloodborne indeed yeah so there's that uh, that's not even on my list next thing on the news the new golem game came out so... <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i mean i uh, saw a screenshot of golem i sent it to you because i i didn't 
think it was real i thought it was yeah. like a meme but that like if if you know even if you're driving just when you get a chance just google um lord golem of the rings game. golem video game <laughs> yeah. and see what this 3d model looks like it's atrocious like i you know i've never used 3d software to like mm. make something i promise you i could churn something better than that out in a couple of weeks <laughs> like it wow is, big goal it, challenge it perhaps <laughs> yeah yeah challenge me devs no mm. i mean i i think the devs have been pushed pretty aggressively by the publisher to um release something that ultimately they're not very happy with you know I think you'd have to be crazy to look at that and be like, this is my best this self. This is ready. This yeah, is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just, it looks, you know, woefully bad. And that's, that's a shame. Yeah. It's been slammed by uh, skill up Aussie YouTube gamer boy, YouTube <laughs> man. who. Uh, <laughs> I love your description of these like internet personalities yeah, that know. are doing all this stuff you're reporting on. You just have like no basis with what to label them as. <laughs> yeah, I need a label system. I just call them <laughs> Game Boy Man all the time. Pick, pick one of those three words and it's done. Oh, um, dear. Yeah. So one of the things that caught my eye about this, apart from the really unfortunate situation with the art and performance of the game, game, mm. <clears throat> is uh it's got a precious edition this game sells for 70 dollars you know this is, a, this is a premium video game that's mm -hmm. coming out mm -hmm. this is a premium commodity to own yeah totally if you spend the full 70 dollars to get like the upgraded version of the game um the precious edition you get some artwork you get some lore with some text entries that feel suspiciously as though they've been written by ChatGPT. Not <laughs> confirmed, but does seem a lot like that. And then you get uh, an album of music. And also you get to hear the Elvish characters in the game speak Sindarin. Is that Sindarin? Is that how you say it? I don't know. They speak Elvish. Right. Wow. So they've like paywalled a language? They've paywalled the native language that the elves in the game speak for some reason. What a strange yeah. thing to put behind a premium version of a game. Yeah, bro. This just screams like imprisoned devs to me. Like the publisher yeah. is just, you know, it's if it's Warner Brothers. I think they I own Lord know. of the Rings. Yeah, who I, anyway, whoever it is, I think they're just like being all kind of all kinds of unreasonable and not understanding like the video game medium and yeah i reckon totally i'll be interested to hear like in in the following months or years or however long it takes like the stories of devs moving on and then being able to talk about what it was like working on this because yeah just it just nothing sounds or looks right to me totally yeah, they issued a statement, one of the famed Twitter statements of people uh, that people have started collecting. You know, they've got the cyberpunk one there. They've got the golem one there amidst <laughs> all of the other unfortunate release games. Doom Eternal. Um, let Doom us not Eternal. forget that one. <laughs> um, uh, and the, yeah, the, the devs released a statement saying, basically saying that they hear the feedback and have been listening to it closely and are looking to patch the game. And it's just like, just let it go, man. Just like cut, <laughs> cut your losses on the, on this one, on the Golem game. Just cut your losses, man. It's not uh, it's not worth it. Oh god! Final yeah. piece of news. Oh my god! All right, so uh, that's the episode. That's the episode. Everyone. <laughs> um, 
this is probably one of my most interesting things from the Sony conference was oh. this game called Sword of the Sea. Okay. I uh, got a trailer. It's the new game behind the quote-unquote artist of Journey, Abzu, and Pathless. Oh. Um, it's not that game company. Apparently, the a bunch of folks from that game company left to make this company called Giant Squid. Okay. Um, and they've made, they basically, yeah, they made Pathless, and now they're making this game called Sword of the Sea. Uh, it looks like Journey, but with a person on a surfboard made out of a sword and they're surfing around the dunes and doing sweet tricks um it was basically a cinematic trailer i didn't note any gameplay in there but it looked like it was you know uh, cinematic from the game engine not like some mm -hmm. you know metal gear solid 3 situation yeah yep. um yeah it looks stunning looks beautiful the music sounds great uh, i'm keen for this one cool yeah i mean surfing on a sword on sand dunes count me yeah. in that sounds great yeah looks beautiful beautiful colors some great compositions in the trailer it's worth watching go ahead and check it out cool all right we'll do uh so with the final dying moments of this podcast you want to talk about <laughs> open worlds again yeah so we're doing a retrospective right this is our mm. first one First one. First of many? Who knows? I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's see how this goes. Yeah, I was about to say, let's see how this goes. I don't really know what to do with this topic. I've got some stuff that I've written down from listening to the previous episodes, some quotes that we made, as oh. well as some maybe fresh info that m might be worth talking about. Yeah, I'm really keen for you to throw some shit I said back in my face. I'm really <laughs> hoping that's uh, on the agenda. <laughs> I picked the good stuff. I picked the good. The, I, <laughs> I skipped towards the end of the episode at a certain point. I was like, what were we saying towards the end? Because, um, yeah, we, we had some good stuff to say. Mm -hmm. But we, yeah, we were babies. We were <laughs> fresh on the scene, uh, unsure of ourselves. I was things. so nervous. Yeah, I was I could, so I could nervous. Hear the nerves. I could hear the nerves. <laughs> I, I was speaking into my microphone the wrong way. My microphone was back. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. And we're uh, both uh, with a collection of foibles that boiled down into that very episode. But it is our <laughs> third most listened to episode of all time. So there Oh, no. Oh, no. Terrible. Delete it from the archives. A horrible statistic, but a statistic <laughs> nonetheless. Uh so in the episode, we were really determined to nail down what makes an, an open world game open world. And I feel like we spent ages trying to do this. Okay. Do you remember Interesting. that? No, dude, I have, I have no memory of that episode at <laughs> you all. Blocked, you blocked it out. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like zero. I cannot remember a single thing that we talked about. The only thing I know we definitely talked about was Elden Ring, but like still, yeah. still have no idea what I would have said. We spent a lot of time on Elden Ring um, mm -hmm. because that had just come out and we were talking about it a lot. Similar to how um, Tears of the Kingdom has just come out here. That's why I thought it was, would be nice to circle back around. We've got another fresh open world game to chomp on. Yeah. And I had not played Breath of the Wild That's right. um, when we did that first episode. So yeah, def definitely good timing. Yeah. I had mentioned it in the episode, but I didn't spend very long talking about it just because, yeah, we, you hadn't played it. Um, mm. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I say here we spun our tires for a good long while trying to sort of <laughs> haphazardly try to like make sense of the phrase open world video game. Um, <laughs> okay. 
towards the end, I said prophetically, I think the more we get, this is a quote, I think the more we can push the idea of natural discovery and creativity and building in open worlds, the more enjoyable they'll be. Interesting mm. that Tears of the Kingdom features building so heavily. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's funny though, because when you think about the design of an open world, the kind of building you do in Tears of the Kingdom is pretty superficial. It's mm. really just to kind of serve your exploration more than anything yeah. else. So, I mean, that still rings true with that quote, you know. It really does boil down to the exploration. But for the exploration to be spicy, you need that open world design to just be, like, yeah. spot on. So you've already said way more condensed and awesome stuff than our, we could ha have just said it our <laughs> entire first episode. Just <laughs> so there you go. Episode done. Uh, you said... Uh, I think online stuff will probably be a key in having a next generation of open world games that will carry the torch, um, which was an interesting take considering you went on to have a future episode talking about how much you hated online video games. No, you didn't hate, you don't hate. <laughs> you, you, you didn't, uh, you had a pretty interesting um, version of like what you thought, like how disappointed you are in a lot of modern multiplayer games. And right. then I was thinking how interesting it was, how we then went on to have Grounded be such a fixture of games that we play together, which is yeah. effectively an open world multiplayer game. Yeah. So if anything, everything I say will be proved wrong with time. <laughs> well, no, it was proved right. Like we, you were saying how multiplayer will be, and online stuff will be... Uh, something that will be something that will make multi uh, sorry open world games carry the torch you, you the words you used be, that's true yeah, and, and you do grounded. carry a torch in grounded um you do. no but but for real yeah i i think um grounded yeah grounded is really special because it does it does have that real discovering exploratory open world spice like it absolutely has that and mm. the fact that it is multiplayer definitely makes it better Yep. I think I think that world is honestly good enough that I would play it single player, but the fact that it's so big, it's so detailed, and it's so, like, there's so much variety. Like, when you jump in with buds, you can all, like, you know, hone in on a project or split yeah. up and do your different activities, and, yeah, like, it, it all serves the open world in a pretty great way. Yeah. Uh, I just noticed I had a tab open from <laughs> this is so silly a news item that i forgot to mention oh I'm my just, god i'm gonna leave it we'll talk about it next week i'm closing the tabs they're <laughs> okay. closed forget that's about a, it that's a like cliffhanger right there yeah. for, for next week's episode <laughs> I, felt, I felt like a little horrible little goblet in the corner just like reminded me of his presence and i was like what the heck i thought i talked about it. no i didn't okay <laughs> uh, anyway um yeah, you were talking uh, a lot about. Oh, we we mentioned how. Let me let me rephrase this. You said the world's best haiku from Ghost of Tsushima. You, the, the haiku was, "I miss my dad. My dad is gone. Where is he?" As an example <laughs> of one of the horrible uh, haikus that had no metaphor and no real meaning um, <laughs> that you made in in the open world of Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, so I I use Ghost of Tsushima a lot 
um, as an example, as a bad open world or not like, I mean, bad is pretty harsh, right? Because I, I think we've talked about this before where like generally the caliber of games that I play are extremely good. Mm. And so when I call something bad, it's generally because it's up against all these absolutely incredible games that I've already played. And so Ghosts of Tsushima for me is an example of a bad open world because while it is so beautiful that game is just stunning to look at mm. um it, it when you kind of look at its core and and boil down that video game zhu mm. um it's just a bunch of the same soulless activities, activities yeah. copied and pasted and this is something i didn't experience when i played breath of the wild mm. there was a little bit of it but you could walk away from it and mm. It didn't feel like you were being pressured by it. You know, like the Koroks in that game are hidden away and there's 900 of them. Like if you do 30 Koroks for the whole playthrough, like I think that I did for the first time I played that game and that felt cool, you know, like dive into a pond where it was obvious I needed to dive and like a Korok would pop up. That's like a five second thing. Um, and never, every now and again, you'd speak to someone in a town and they'd be like, can you get 10 apples for me? It's like, nah, I'm walking away from this. I'm not dealing with you. And like, it was, it was very minor and unintrusive. Whereas in Tears of the Kingdom, I see a lot more of that Ghosts of Tsushima copy paste, the fucking Hudson construction dude. Oh my God. The Koroks that are like stuck on the backpack. Yeah, yeah. When I saw the first one, I was like, oh, that's so cute. What a great idea. And then I probably did the second one. And then by the time I did the third one, I just strapped something to that motherfucker and sent him into the ether. You know, I was like, all right, I'm done. And like, I reckon I've seen probably 20 more. And it's like, because they talk to you, it captures your attention. Mm. And it's not as natural as like being in the world and like, seeing a rock in a funny place and being like, oh, I bet that's a Korok. You know, you can, yeah. you, you've thought about the world a little bit and you can choose to walk past it. But when someone's like, hey, I'm stuck and I'm like the 30th dude you've seen that's yeah. in exactly the same position, like it's annoying. It's not, it's not good. It doesn't make me feel like I love that open world. I think the Korok, stranded Korok, may be one of the weakest parts of that game and the um, Hudson construction, though... The Hudson construction guy, I get a little bit of chill from. Like, I feel so, like, <laughs> turn my brain off, grab another plank, lean it up, and wait for the dialogue to end. It's kind of like a nice little punctuation for me of, like, I don't have to really do anything for a bit. It's mm. like a, like I'll, like, scroll my phone while he finishes talking, you know? like it's a nice little... <laughs> But is that good? Like, no, this but, yeah, incredibly immersive game has got you scrolling your phone, like, yeah. come on, come on. I, like, it's... never yeah. scrolled my phone in Breath of the Wild. That shit's crazy. Yeah. Like I said, I it's, it's uh, objectively, it's, like, one of the weakest parts, let's say, with the Korok thing. But for, <laughs> for me, it's, like, a, it's a personal nice little punctuation <laughs> that I think is uh, not unwelcome uh yeah okay yeah. cool yeah. cool i can have my cake and eat it all right yeah no I, I yeah no, I, I love i love that for you yeah <laughs> uh, anyway um we ended up talking about uh open worlds like yakuza and stardew valley that do things where there are activities for you to take part in but are uh, oh. less copy pasted and strewn across the map like Korok seeds in the breeze mm. um 
or haikus in the wind. Uh, and <laughs> more like optional little sections that you get to engage with uh, if you so choose and spend your time doing them. And we agreed that it was nice and good and we wish to see more of that kind of thing. Yeah, so um, I got an episode coming up in a couple of weeks where I'm going to talk about side quests. Mm-hmm. And this falls into that category a little bit because what Yakuza does with its like super dense open world is amazing because it it gives you those things like a Korok to interact with but they're these like emotional journeys into people's lives and then during that journey you'll explore a mechanic that is only to be found in that side quest and that's just bonkers that's just like where do you guys like where (laughs) <laughs> how is you know is this in the liner notes when you start the project like it's yeah. very important that that the side quests that people may never discover have this much detail yeah yeah there's just like a, a person on a street that you run past a few times that you may not even notice has like the ability to be spoken to and mm. if you happen to, you know, one day walk past and just talk to them, it, it unfolds this, you know, multi-hour yeah, emotional storytelling <laughs> side quest that is just fantastic. And that's one of the great things about Yakuza. And the other thing that's cool about Yakuza is sometimes it's just 10 minutes and you just like go and do a thing for them, you know? Mm, so you totally. never know. It's like a lucky dip. Are you going to get the big unfolding story of, of uh, you know, that you learn more about yourself as a result of? Or are you going to get go and collect me 10 little rabbits or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It's yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yakuza is just like a hyper dense lucky dip of a video game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that kind of thing could like that, that contrast between like, you've got uh, copy paste dungeons, copy paste activities strewn across the map in such a way that like, you know, walking from point A to point B inevitably ends you in, nets you um, firmly in the grasp of at least one of them between main story events or even side quest events. And Mm -hmm. so it becomes like a little, yeah, like a punctuation or a uh, distraction from the main thing, which in turn makes the world feel kind of, some people say it makes the world kind of feel more alive or gives you more things to do. It makes it feel less, less empty, I guess, as a result. Yeah, and I think it adds to the suspension of disbelief, right? Mm. And this, um, I mean, to go back to Grounded, this happens with Grounded all the time, where, like, we have a plan, we get sidetracked, like, we see a new bug, we find a new area, we mm. discover a new item that we need to scan to figure out if we can build new things with it, and then all of a sudden, whether we achieved the original goal or not, it's been, like, an hour and a half, and, yeah. like... It's not, it feels less about achieving the goal and more about you've been in the world and you have a great time, you had a great time and now the session is over. And I'm like, yeah, "Mm, that's, that's like, you know, if we're talking open worlds, that, that looks like success to me. Totally. Yeah. So it is a good thing. I I think it's like, it's hard to find a balance, you know, it's like how many haikus is too many haikus, right? Yeah. How many foxes? How many Korok dudes on their backpacks? You know, like what's what's the balance? Yeah. Oh man, the foxes and the birds in Ghost of Tsushima. Like, 
again, the first time I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Like you follow yeah. a fox and it takes you. And then like the fifth time I'm like, I, I can definitely kill this fox. Like this fox can, <laughs> can die by my hand right now. Um, and we've, we've only kind of talked about the Koroks and the Hudson signs in Tears of the Kingdom, but like the caves, the wells, there's, there's a lot, like there's a lot more content than Breath of the Wild, yeah. but I don't know if the game is better for it. Yeah. I think the core stuff that's there, you know, like the Sky Islands are really interesting to me and the underground mm. is, like I said in the last episode, my favorite part, hugely mm-hmm. underrated. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the caves are really amazing. Like I just got stuck in a cave last time I was playing and I was like, how big is this freaking cave, dude? Like it just mm. keeps going. And that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, I think the sort of scattering of... Korok seeds and Hudson and whatever else out there is kind of a little bit too dense. I think I need mm. more moments where I'm just walking, like in Death Stranding, how I just walk and there's nothing to do but walk, <laughs> you know, like that. Yeah. That stuff for me is kind of nice. And if you if you've done a really good world of a really good job of like making the world feel like pretty and atmospheric, and you know, like um that you know that some music comes on or whatever like in death stranding like it just if you feel something and you don't know what it is <laughs> and it's great <laughs> yeah yep i think i think you're right there's like some ineffable feeling where yeah. you're just so connected to the video game world and like that's why we play video games we feel so, connected and i love that feeling yeah yeah so yeah i think in trying to do all of this extra stuff, you know, the content pad, I guess, for Tears of the Kingdom is is mm. nice because there's lots heaps of stuff to do, and that's good for most folks, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it might be too much um, in certain instances where you're just trying to do something or you're just trying to be in the world, and you see another Korak on Korak on his back, and he cries, <laughs> and you cry. Uh, <laughs> so I've got some more stuff here for us briefly before we round things out. Yeah, cool. Um. I wrote here, why are open world games appealing? The old video game thing of go in every house, the Molyneux factor. Do you know Peter Molyneux? I've spoken about him before, right? Yeah, we've we've talked to him. Peter Molyneux, the liar, yeah, right? The charlatan. <laughs> yeah, is he is he the fable guy? He's the fable guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah we've we've talked about Peter Molyneux before. Yeah, uh, the Molyneux factor, you know, like he would always be talking up his games. He'd be like, you can marry any NPC, marry anyone in the game. You yeah. can kick this dog off the f- off the ledge and he'll come back to you when you're an old man and fight you, <laughs> you know, like you'll say shit like that. He's basically the sh- uh, the intentional Sean, Sean Murray, where Sean Murray was just like cornered by press people and didn't really know what his game was yet. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Molyneux knew exactly what he was doing. And I hate him for that. Um, <laughs> Molyneux hate. Yeah, the Molyneux factor, let's call it. The Ugh. promise of a mirror to our own world, but only with less constraints and more fun is kind of the, you know, I think that's like why initially, at least, a lot of people are like, hell yeah, open world games. They think of like Grand Theft Auto, but better. Mm. Um, I think that kind of appeals to a lot of people. But, in you know, as kind of the game business picked it up, it was like, yeah, we're going to take this. And Ubi was like, I've called it the Ubi for Ubi formula. You get a, a tower to climb that reveals mm-hmm. question marks on a map that gives you things to do between main missions. Mm, quick segue. Mm-hmm. Can we, I don't know why I'm speaking like this. Can we um, talk about the towers in Tears of the Kingdom? Because sure. 
they are fucking amazing. Yeah, they rule. They're the best towers ever. I think um, I think what they've done with the animation, the music, what, basically what they do is you walk into this tower, there's usually like a minor puzzle to solve, mm-hmm. um, which is all good and well, and then you basically get slingshotted um, <laughs> into the sky and then you use your um, whatever the new version of the Sheikah Slate is called and you scan the the kind of surroundings while you're up in the sky and that's how you get that bit of the map and the whole time this beautiful music is playing Mm -hmm. it's like piano and oboe and violin and it's just beautiful and then you the cutscene ends you put your slate away and then you just start falling and you can basically get to from that tower every part of the map that you just unlocked Mm -hmm. and i think this is the peak, this this is the ultimate Far Cry tower. You yeah. find the tower, you get slingshotted into the air, and, like, I watch that cutscene every time. You know, mm. there's a lot of scenes in, in Tears of the Kingdom that I skip, but the tower thing is just beautiful. It's quick, it's snappy, there's no loading, the edit is great, mm. and you just fly up and then you're floating down and you can, like, land on a bit of sky, you can go to a bit of Hyrule, or you can like see a chasm from up high and yeah, like go, go all the way to the depths from the very top of the sky. And that is just, that is some regal shit. I think that's just amazing. And mm. they, they deserve to, to have their backs patted for that shit. <laughs> Thoroughly patted. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. The first, I, I kind of wish there was an option somewhere to turn on that initial animation of Link getting grabbed by all of the arms because that was so <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah, that uh, was good. Yeah. Anyway, yes, that's great. I agree. The, the Sky Towers are fantastic. Getting launched up there and just finding a Sky Island to land on and grab some more of those Sheikah items, whatever they're called, and mm-hmm. smash mm-hmm. them into a new thing and fly that off the ledge and go into a hole. It's great. Fucking sick, mate. That's yeah. really good shit. Um, <clears throat> we talked a little bit of, a little bit about games with systems. So stuff like in Breath of the Wild, I mentioned you could cut down trees and have them roll down ledges and smash into a bunch of baddies. Wow, um, dude, this this would have been a clusterfuck of an episode. We just talked yeah. about these things that kind of need to be broken up into their own episodes. Oh yeah, we were so bold. <laughs> we were so bold. I feel like we continued to be bold. Like our other episode was like <laughs> music in video games, you know? Like we just <laughs> took the biggest bite of the apple we possibly... We, we choked on the apple. Oh, God. We'll never learn. Um, I've got a little bit of an interesting thing right here at the end. Um, uh, let me see if I can just quickly speed read through it. The gamer desire for an open world with rich graphics and compelling story is a, a dream bringing, brimming with cake and... Oh my god, I've written this earlier today and I just haven't proofread it at all. It's a dream <laughs> brimming with cake and having it eating sentiment. Wow, look at that writing. <laughs> you can tell I just, just had the idea and just like wrote it down and was like, yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> why do also, why do we leave the quotes to the end of the episode <laughs> where like the, the brain cells are slowly fading into the background and like <laughs> Yeah, it's real bad. Uh, Sorry, could you please read that for me one more time? If you wish. It's bad, but here we go. <laughs> the game of desire for an open world with rich graphics and compelling story is a dream brimming with cake having and eating sentiment. Okay, yeah. I get what you're going for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's because 
I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, that's why horror is off when it's done well is like the best genre ever, right? Mm. Because it makes our imagination do the work, and we 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 still feel fulfilled. And like, yeah. when you think of an open world game, like Ghost of Tsushima, like open world feudal Japan, you instantly imagine all this shit, and yeah. you're like, "Fuck, that is gonna be amazing." Yeah. Um. And look, there are a lot of things in that game that are really good, but like. It's definitely not as good as what I imagined. Totally. I think I'll try and paraphrase what I've written next because it is just a mess. But I, I think like <laughs> part, part of the problem with it is like you, it's hard to load an entire world on today's tech. And mm. further to that, it's harder to have any direction the player choose to go in be an interesting direction with like story and characters that are compelling and interesting. You know, like breath of the wild and Tears of the kingdom do this thing where they like funnel you down into like several different direct key directions that end up culminating in a boss battle right or a dungeon um mm. which is pretty smart um but as a result you get this kind of like washy story that kind of doesn't matter what order you consume it in um which flies in the face of like narrative linear narrative yeah so there's like a couple of things there right because i think you're right as far as like the narrative is concerned but Breath of the, uh, like the, the, the modern Zelda games are a bit more open because they scale the world with you. So mm. like as you play, the enemies get stronger. So you can effectively go anywhere on the map. And that's something I, I, I think like both versions have pros and cons, right? Because like Elden Ring is the opposite where like everything is specifically designed like yeah. those areas have specific monsters that do a specific amount of damage mm-hmm. um and that kind of informs you where you should be yeah um and i think that that adds to the world building and like when you meet characters in Elden Ring that reference places that you've been that you felt were really treacherous like that's that feels cool that's like oh yeah like this guy's been there too like they're talking about all kinds of shit like they know what's up they're like a hardened warrior but like with zelda when you speak to enemies and they're scared of things like you might have just got somewhere and they're like i'm real scared of like these monsters and it's like one i was gonna say chocobo what are they called <laughs> bokoblins yeah, yeah. there's like one you know red bokoblin and it's yeah. like munching some meat and it dies in like a hit from one of your weaker weapons and yeah. it, it it does take away um i don't know where i was going with that but i hope it was yeah, yeah. enjoyable <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was all right don't worry we did the exact same thing in the last episode we both had rants that ended in like i don't know where i was going with that but uh yeah. <laughs> no. we're coming back baby oh, oh god uh yeah it's it yeah i think that is a really interesting part of open world games like that that difference between you know elden version and the zelda version like you can really find some interesting contrasts between like yeah the even just the way that Elden Ring tells stories through cutscenes versus the way that Zelda tells stories um mm-hmm. tells its mm-hmm. story and how they're both kind of telling different kinds of stories and how that compares to games that aren't uh open world that do linear stories and, mm. and, and how they approach that I think it's kind of like I've written this thing here at the end how it's kind of like a sliding scale the more openness in a video game that you want, the kind of less focus you're able to have on a linear narrative or a narrative that can be as compelling as a good linear narrative can. I'm kind of yet to see like a compelling open world narrative. 
Yeah. Look, I think you're right, but I think when it comes to open worlds that you should play to your strengths. And I think that is exactly what Breath of the Wild did. Yep. Like the story is like brain dead simple, but it's a, it's a really good fit. Like you start off in the tutorial area, you learn where Ganon is, you learn where the temples are and, and that's it. And it's just yep. like, go and you can go straight to Ganon. And that, that just feeds right into what a good open world feels like yep. with this modern Zelda. I don't actually know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm like, wait, is Ganon around? Like, should I be, go and fight Ganon right now? Like, can yeah. I do that? You know, like, it's really unclear. And I think it's because while they've tried to give you a bit more of that narrative juice, they've actually diluted it because, yeah. like you say, there's no, there's no one way that, you should experience that story because it's going to be drip fed to you in a weird order because yeah. it's an open world. Yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, so I, I think the answer is to not actually have a big narrative focus. I, I can't imagine like an open world game as good as the, the open world games we're talking about that have like a narrative that blows you out of the water. Like, for yeah. me, that would be really unexpected and like a super welcome surprise, but I have no idea how you would pull something like that off. No, nor do I. I think it's kind of like we were hinting at a little bit before. Sorry if you can hear Zeus growling at Tilda. She's sitting on the desk and that upsets him for reasons unknown. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, the uh, games like Yakuza where like it's a semi-open world or a couple of different open world zones that have like missable mini quests in them that turn mm. into larger story things that can be affecting. You know, mm. like if mm. if you could manage to do that and, you know, if you, yeah, if you, if you can manage to do that, I think that makes for a really cool facet of an open world like i said earlier that i would like to see more of and yeah we said that last over a year ago let's see some more of that <laughs> stuff um, yeah. yeah yeah so i think maybe the the key there is if you are going to do something that does have a bit more narrative than say breath of the wild then maybe you need to scatter these narratives and have them as sort of self-contained things yeah and like maybe they link up in certain points but like that doesn't kind of stop you from, you know, finding them and it doesn't feel disjointed, you know. They're, these are just yeah. characters in the world and you find them and, you know, they might need stuff done and it's self-contained and, like, yeah, with with Tears of the Kingdom especially, it feels very hand-holdy, you know. Yeah. Each yeah. quest feels like it's leading you to, like, the next story beat. Yeah. And um yeah, for me it kind of comes under fire with that criticism I have with open world games sometimes where like they've actually just kind of, you know, got a bit of tape and they've actually put a linear narrative onto the open world mm -hmm. and like it yeah, it comes off as like handholdy and obvious to me. Yeah. Yeah. Zeus, come on. Shush. You're being ridiculous. All right, we got to end this. <laughs> we got to go. Gotta go. Oh, this dog oh is saying God. words to me now. He's speaking oh. English. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're still here with us, we love you. Because mm -hmm. this, um, this was the news episode. And uh, then we just, like, chastised our former selves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we had some new, new in, uh, insights, maybe sl hopefully slightly more honed insights on a little bit of what we could say about uh, open worlds. But 
maybe not. I don't know. We'll look back <laughs> on this in a while, in, in a year. And see. Oh, God. Just like the never-ending feedback loop. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. All right. All right. Cool. We'll uh, have a lovely weekend, everyone, and we'll see you when it's almost the weekend again. Sounds good. See you then. Bye. Bye.